All the time. That's right. Crawling in, Carla? <laughs> Praise the Lord. So good to be in God's house once again. I uh, want to welcome you all uh, this evening, everyone who's uh, made their way out. And uh, like Sister Carla said, you know, sometimes we we crawling in, but we're here. Amen. We're here. All of uh, those of you who are uh, online through YouTube or Facebook, we want to welcome you as well. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, some of you have made your way into the house after uh, watching for some time, and I'm super thankful for that. I really am. I enjoy seeing you here. I enjoy seeing your faces and, and just, man, having a good time with you. Right, Pastor T? Uh, I want to uh, extend an invitation to join us this Sunday. It's our, you know, our, our Sunday services, uh, but just in case you're not aware, we have English services on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. We have a Spanish service as well that follows, uh, begins promptly at 11 a.m., and uh, we have a good time in God's house. For those of you who are regulars to our Sunday morning, you know we have a good time in God's house. Um, tonight, as we have been, we are going to continue in the book of Genesis. We are in chapter 20, Genesis chapter 20. How many of you, just by, you know, you, you don't have to raise your hand. You can just say, man, you enjoy going into and getting into God's word. You really enjoy it. Yeah? Um, you know... I do too. Sister Carla, for those of you who, who aren't here and are listening at home, uh, one of our sisters here said, I wish I was better at it. You know what? I don't think any of us will ever, ever get to a point where we can say, oh, I've arrived. I'm there. You know, I got it all down. <laughs> um, God's word comes to life. Um, every time we open it, every time you open it and you give God that time um, in his word, there's something new to learn. And I want to say something about uh, just, you know, the passages we've been in lately, the chapters we've been sharing with everyone. Sometimes, sometimes scripture can sound and seem uh, maybe a bit confusing Maybe a bit hard to understand, hard to follow, but I want to encourage you not to read just once over. Did everybody hear me? Don't just read it one time. We have to allow God's word to really sink in. We have to read it over and over because I don't know. Maybe it, if maybe you're pros at it, I don't know how many times. My wife or a friend sends me a message, a well-written text message, and I completely misunderstand everything they say. And when I reply or when I see them and I say, oh, yeah, you asked for this, X, Y, and Z. No, that's not what I said, right? And then we want to pull out our phone. Oh, let me show you, right? And you go back to the text and I have proof. Here's the date, time, day, everything. Um, so even with each other, I don't know if that's ever happened to you. 
communication isn't always, always, right, received with complete understanding. Can I share something real quick about communication? Is that okay? So we learned that it's extremely important. And for those of you youngsters who, you know, aren't married yet, one day, Lord willing, you will be. And make sure you seek good advice. But one thing that we learned and that I've appreciated is that when my wife shares something with me or is communicating something with me, you know what I'll do? We just celebrated 14 years. And I give God all that glory. I really do. Um, and, but one thing I, I learned, and I wish I would have learned it, or somebody would have taught it to me, like, way early on, you know? They say hindsight's twenty twenty, right? You've heard that saying. But one thing that I learned was, in the last few years, was to always ask, okay, let me repeat what you said to me. <laughs> this is what I heard. Is this what you want me to hear, or what you were trying to communicate? And most of the time, she's like, no, that's not what I said. <laughs> well, this is what I heard. Has that ever happened to you where you're like in a group and everybody has a different perception of what was communicated? Has that ever happened? So a lot of times we need to hear it more than once, right? I was just telling my boys, oh, so let me finish what I was saying. See how I am? I get all like my brain is like scattered most of the time. But I'll ask her, oh, okay, so this is what you're saying, you know? She'll say no. So then I'll say, okay, well, then help me to understand. And sometimes we have to reword our phrases, right? Or we have to think a little more on how and what we're communicating so that the other person can understand and finally say, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. All right, cool. Now we're on the same page. So my whole point with that is we have to... Read God's word more than once because a lot of times we'll miss. We'll miss something and then we'll go back and say, wow, I never saw that. Or I didn't even realize that. I'm learning something new every day from God's word. Every single day. And I enjoy it. And I, I guess that's my, one of my like goals, one of my, you know, a desire of mine is that if and when I'm giving opportunities to teach or to preach, I want to make sure that I am communicating in a way that, one, you receive it from the Lord, that you would be able to grow from it, that you'd be able to be edified from it, that you'd be able to be encouraged from it, um, but also that you'd be able to learn from it. Not necessarily from me, but that you would see, like, that's God's word, and that you could leave a Bible study knowing God's word was given, God's word was received, and we can grow from it together. Amen? And one of the things that I was going to say as before I went back to finish my thought was that I was just telling my boys, <laughs> you know how it is with kids. How you doing, Steve? It's good to see you. And they get, they get frustrated with me, 
and they'll roll their eyes because I'll start like going on and on and on, right, about a particular lesson I'm trying to teach them in the moment. And especially my oldest, now he's rolling his eyes. He's not even in middle school yet. Like, he's on his way. This is next fall. He's going into middle school, and he's already rolling his eyes at me. Like, you know, and doing that whole, right? He hasn't started doing the, the, you know, my dad used to say, no me chupe los dientes, you know, when you do that. And, uh, but, man, he's rolling his eyes already. He, don't, he doesn't watch this later, so he, he don't mind. He don't even know I talk about him. But, man, I told him, guys, your mom and I are going to tell you over and over and over and over because we're your mom and dad. And because we, know, we want to teach you and we want you to learn and we want you to get it and we want you to start applying these things we're trying to teach you to your life. You know, we've been there. We've done that. We've struggled. We've hit the, you know, hard lessons. And we want you to learn from those lessons that we've already had. So we're going to tell you again and again and again. And you're going to hear it, you know, a million times. And that's how I feel we should be with God's word. Is that we don't just read it one time, but that you read it over and read it over and over. Because every time you read it, God's word is a treasure. And it's a deep Deep. St. Paul said it that way. He said, I want you, this is what St. Paul said, I want you to know and understand. And he starts to describe God's word as being deep and wide. And he says, I want you to know how deep, how wide his love is. Well, this is his love, is the message of the gospel of his son, Jesus Christ, for you and I. Amen? All right. So are we ready? Yeah? Yeah. You guys, some of you guys are like, Pastor, it's about time. Let's get into this. <laughs> Quit babbling, huh? All right, Genesis chapter 20. If you have your Bibles, open it up. If you have your phones, open it up. And let's get into Genesis chapter 20. When you have it, say amen. amen. If you don't have it, say amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful evening. I thank you for your children, for each and every one of us that have gathered here. I thank you for this community. I thank you, Lord, for bringing us together, um, that we can learn from your word together, that we can grow in your word together, that we can be edified uh, in your word and through your word. Uh, Precious Lord, I pray that tonight, in one way or another, you would open our, our eyes, our minds that we would all leave your house encouraged and challenged to live out what we read and what we learn in your scriptures, that we may aim, that our goal would be to be more like you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Excuse me. All right. So Genesis chapter 20, and I have, uh, I'm using the NIV uh, tonight. Verse 1, you might, some of this might sound familiar, by the way. Back in chapter 12, uh, I believe it was chapter 12, yes. Back in chapter 12, there was a similar situation. So this isn't the same. Um, We're going to read tonight about how Abraham and Sarah tell the king, that they're brother and sister, and we heard it before. 
We heard it in chapter 12 when they go before Pharaoh. So it's going to sound familiar. So I just want to point out it's not the same uh, scenario or the same scene or the same place or the same king. Okay? This is now um, them coming before uh, Abimelech. Amen? Now Abraham moved on from there. From there, meaning the region he was in when he was able to witness Sodom and Gomorrah being destroyed. Everybody remember that in chapter 19? All right. We don't have to go back to that uh, madness, right? <laughs> let's not only move on in Scripture, but let's also grow from that, right? Let's grow from that. And let's remember. Let's never forget it. But let's remember what God is asking of us because he's going to ask it of us again tonight. What is it that God seeks from each and every one of us in our hearts? What does he desire from us? What does he desire from Joe, from my life, from my heart? What does he want from me? Right? Amen. He wants obedience. Right? He wants purity. He wants holiness. Does that mean perfection? No. It means that we always remind ourselves that we are set apart for him, that we belong to him. Right? You know, in the Bible, I mean, even forks and spoons were called holy. Why? Because they were separated. They were set apart for God's kingdom, for God's glory, for the use in God's temple. Right? But they were considered to be holy, and they were just objects. So what does God desire of us? Let's keep that in mind. Abraham moved on from there into the region of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur. For a while he stayed in Gerar, and there Abraham said of his wife Sarah, She is my sister. Then Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent for Sarah and took her. He sent for Sarah and took her. Okay, let's pay close attention. He sends for Sarah and takes her. Who is this guy now? Who? Yeah. But who is he? He's the king, right? He's the king. So we know that he's a man of much power, yes? A lot of influence. He's the ruler of the time. So he takes Sarah, says, and he took her. But God came to Abimelech in a dream one night and said to him, we're going to read this carefully and slowly, and I might go back and read it again so that we see it together. He came to him in a dream at night. Dreams many times were used. I believe even still today God can use them, but dreams were used by God many times to speak to people, okay, to bring a message to people, direct message, a revelation, a revelation. Do we all know what a revelation is? When something is revealed that either hasn't yet happened or maybe is in the middle of happening and God is opening our eyes, our minds to what is happening, what is at hand, the situation that we're in, okay? So he's speaking to Abimelech in a dream and he says, you are as good as dead. Isn't that messed up? Well, Pastor Joe, he did take Abraham's wife, right? 
But let's look exactly and look closer at what's happening. Because many will say, why did Abraham do this? Why are they saying that they're brother and sister when they're married? Why are they deceiving the king? Oh, Abraham's a liar. Abraham didn't have faith in God. A lot of these questions start to pop up during this chapter. Are you following? So God comes to him in a dream one night and says to him, you are as good as dead. Because of the woman you have taken. She is a married woman. Can you imagine his thought? What in the world? What is going on? Right? Now, listen to this next part. Verse 4. Everybody there? Now, Abimelech had not gone near her. Everybody following? What does that mean? Does that mean, like, proximity? Okay, no. He's not talking about proximity. Okay? He's talking about, like, he didn't know her sexually in an intimate, okay, way. He hadn't yet gone that far. He hadn't taken it there. Okay? So he said, Lord, you will destroy. (laughs) This is funny. Okay? You will destroy an innocent nation? This makes me laugh a little bit because, you know, a lot of times when we get caught, when we get caught, we try to either, you know, shift blame, right? Oh, it wasn't me. It was him. It was his fault. I'm the innocent one, right? We All of a sudden, we're innocent. So... We're starting to see that God is revealing something here, right? God is revealing something here. And so we're going to get to the bottom of what God is revealing. Many times God will use someone, will use a dream to reveal something to us, okay? So God is revealing something to us. What is it? Let's keep reading. Will you destroy an innocent nation? So God is talking directly to him, but Abimelech now is shifting that, right, and making it bigger. So he's basically saying, if you destroy me, you're going to destroy this nation. So he's trying to make it, like, he's trying to make himself also this big, right, a big deal. He's trying to make himself bigger than what he needs to. Will you destroy an entire nation, an innocent nation? Did he not say to me, he's talking about Abraham, did he not say to me she is my sister? And didn't she also say he is my brother? I have done this with a clear conscience. (laughs) I have done this with a clear conscience. I didn't do anything wrong. It wasn't me. It wasn't my fault. I'm the victim, right? Right? I'm the victim. I have done this with a clear conscience and clean hands, he says. Then God said to him in the dream, yes, I know you did this with a clear conscience. And so I have kept you from sinning against me. Look at that. Look at that. Now, I want us to like 
let's, let's, let's park here for a second. Man, just like, you know, and in, in even in our own situations, maybe you've been in a friendship, maybe you've experienced this with a friend, maybe a father or a mother has opened our eyes to our behavior to stop us from going down a road, right? A trajectory that we're headed that they already foresee is leading to destruction. Is that ever, have you ever been in a situation where somebody has called out, hey, you need to be careful. Hey, you need to watch your steps. That's happened to me. You need to be careful. Why? Because a lot of times from the outside, right, and wisdom, let's say, you know, not just experience, but wisdom will speak and God will use that to show us. Isn't that true? Hey, hey, you need to slow your roll. Hey, what are you doing? You shouldn't be talking to that person. You shouldn't be texting that person. He's bad news. She's bad news. You ever heard that one? Ten cuidado. <laughs> Ten cuidado. Yeah, that's a good one too. You know, the friends will use that kind of language, right? Trucha. Hey, be careful, right? But seriously, we will get warnings. We will get those who have seen, been there, experienced it, who see us. When we see others, we say, hey, be careful, man. You're going down the wrong path. That's not going to lead to anything good. God begins to reveal things to us, and he begins to give us warnings. And I got to say that this is just like our father. This is just like our heavenly father to be one to warn us. So maybe that's me tonight. Maybe that's you tonight. And God is using this passage tonight to remind us that maybe where we are at tonight, where we are at in our lives tonight, he is saying, hey, pay attention. Be careful. Be careful. Let's keep reading. Yes, I know you did this with a clear conscience, and so I have kept you from sinning against me. That is why I did not let you touch her. Now, return the man's wife, for he is a prophet. Now, this is cool. Why? You kind of want to underline that part. This is the first time God is speaking about Abraham and referring to him as a prophet. This is the first time. And you can make a note of that just because it's fun, okay? It's cool to find stuff like this. I went back and I started looking. I did a search. This was the first time that God says, he's not only, you know, my servant. He's not only one that I have called, but he is a prophet. And we'll see it again. It'll pop up. We're going to see it in the next few verses. So he says to him, return the man's wife, for he is a prophet. And he will pray for you and you will live. And you will live. Not only does God stop us in our tracks, 
when we're heading down the wrong path. But he even, he's even so good to us that he says, if you stop this now, I'm going to bring a blessing upon your life. If you listen to my voice now and you stop going down this path, there's going to be a blessing to follow. That's amazing. There's going to be healing that's going to come to your life. I lived it. I'm telling you firsthand, when we heed God's advice, even if you're in the middle of something right now and you say, God, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me tonight for my mistakes. Forgive me for this path that I'm walking on right now. Somehow help me turn this around. Help me turn this around. I'm telling you tonight, I'm going to stop right now and just remind you, I want to tell you tonight that wherever you're at in your life, wherever you're at in your life, if there's a situation that maybe you find yourself in that is difficult, maybe it's not even about you committing a particular sin or living in sin. Maybe it's just a difficult situation that you're finding yourself in right now. And you've been asking God for deliverance. God is saying, hey, here is my word tonight. Here is my voice. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about his word, okay? And God is reminding us that he can turn any situation that we find ourselves in, that the enemy is using to destroy us, to discourage us, to take us out. And God can turn it around, and he can bring healing to your situation. I'm not just saying this because I've read it. I'm saying it because I've lived it. I've seen it firsthand. That God can do great things when we obey his word. Amen? And that is why I did not let you touch her. And he says, now return the man's wife, for he is a prophet. He will pray for you, and you will live. But if you do not return her, uh-oh. But if you do not return her. In other words, there's consequences to our disobedience, right? There's consequences to my disobedience. There's consequences to our behavior, to our disobedience. If you do not return her, you may be sure. <laughs> that you and all, oh man, this is tough. All, he says, who belong to you will die. Now, it's very possible he was talking about physical death. But let's, let's, let's take another moment here. Man, we got, I'm good on time tonight. I'm tracking. Are you guys tracking with me tonight? Okay, I'm getting some good, like, you know, air fives and stuff. So, look, I have three boys. You have your families. You have your children. You have grandchildren. You have nieces, nephews. If you don't have your own children, you have nieces and nephews. Our sins not only have consequences and repercussions for our own lives, What we do doesn't just affect, what I do doesn't just affect me. It affects my immediate family. And guess what else? And guess what else? You're a part of my community. You're part of the same body that I'm a part of. I'm a member of this body, the body of Christ. Okay? 
Let's put aside titles. Forget that I'm a pastor. I always tell people, that's not on my birth certificate. It doesn't say Pastor Joe Hernandez. It just says Jose Adrian Hernandez. That's what it says. All right? Let's put all that aside. We're all part of the same body of Christ. So if I'm doing things I shouldn't be doing, let me tell you, it's not just affecting me. It's affecting my children. It's affecting every single one of us because we're all connected. So the next time we're out there doing things we shouldn't be doing, okay? Okay? Am I getting my point across? So God is telling him right here, he's saying, Abimelech, you either obey my word that's coming to you right now in 4K. Because I'm sure his dream was real. Can you imagine how real that dream was? It was not no 1080p. It was the most real it could get. Now, if you don't, this isn't just coming down on you. This is coming down on all your people. He said everyone. What does he say? All who belong to you. If I want my kids to have a blessed life, if I want my kids to learn how to walk a life that's going to bring blessing upon them, I have to show them that I'm honoring my parents, my mother, and my father. Do you get what I'm, you see where I'm going with all this? I can't just tell them, hey, you need to obey what we say in this house. I need to, they need to see that when I'm around my parents who are 94 and, I'm sorry, 90 and 88, okay? They need to see that I'm being obedient to them. When Nana and Tata are around, they need to see that I'm helping out my parents. They need to see that I'm serving my parents. They need to see that I'm tending to my parents. They need to see that I care about my parents. They may be long dis- you know, a distance from me, but when they're around or when I'm talking to them on the phone, they need to see that their dad is setting an example. And even the smallest, de- and even the smallest things in the, in the areas of life that a lot of times we forget about, our kids are watching, right? Our kids are watching. They're watching how I treat my wife. They're watching how I treat their grandma, their grandpa, their nana, their tata. They're watching how I treat my friends. They're around me and my wife, and they're around me a lot. So they see how I interact with people outside of church. They see how I interact with people at their school. They see how I interact with people at Home Depot. They see how I interact with people at a restaurant. They're going to reflect everything we do. And if we're being disobedient to God's word, what can I expect? You and all who belong to you will die early the next morning. Early the next morning. Abimelech, he didn't waste any time, right? He had his dream. He let the night go by, run its course, and then he got up. You know, sometimes we want to set our own, our own schedule when it comes to our relationship with God. We want to do our own thing. I'll get to it. Let me put it on my to-do list, and it's not even the first thing on our to-do list. 
He says, early the next morning, early the next morning, he summoned all his officials, and when he told them all that had happened, they were very much afraid. Underline that if you have a traditional Bible. If you don't, if you have like the Bible app, you could tap it and it underlines that section for you. In case you didn't know. <laughs> you could even put little color highlights on it if you want and get all cool with it. But if you have a, if you have a paperback, <laughs> a leather, in my case, imitation leather, <laughs> you can highlight that. And here's why. We're going to see something in a sec. This is so fun. Are you having fun? I hope you are. Because if you're getting bored, you should have gone to the movies tonight or something. You should have gone and watched The Covenant. And if you haven't, it's an amazing movie, by the way. <laughs> Just a little quick plug. The Covenant is awesome. If you haven't even seen it or heard of it, you have to go. Oh, okay. I got a thumbs up. All right. Two. Oh, thank you, Lord. I have a witness. No, I'm serious. You should have gone somewhere else. Get your money back at the door. Well, watch this. Look at what he says. Look at what it says. And when he told them, it says they were very much afraid. Okay? Then Abimelech called Abraham in. And he says to him, what have you done to us? What have you done to us? How have I wronged you that you have brought such great guilt upon me and my kingdom? You have done things to me that should never be done. And Abimelech asked Abraham, what was your reason for doing this? What verse was that? That's verse 10, right? And I'm glad that we're seeing this right here because it's very important to know that he does literally ask him not why okay he doesn't ask him why but he ends that sentence or that paragraph there by saying what okay what what did you do to us what have you done to us and that is the proper question in this particular scenario because we're going to see that god gave abraham okay God gave Abraham divine insight. That's what I was talking about earlier. Sometimes God gives you and I divine insight to help somebody else when they're going down the wrong path, when they're making mistakes, or when they're about to make a major mistake, right? God will give you and I, listen to me, if we're obeying God's word and we are close to God's word and we are in communion with our Lord, he'll give you and I divine insight to tell somebody, hey, be careful. This is what I'm seeing from over here. You may not see it right now because you're all caught up in that business right there. You're all caught up in that situation. But let me tell you as a brother, a sister who loves you, who wants to see blessing on your life, please be careful. And let me tell you what I'm seeing from my perspective. And then you can go on with love and share with them, this is what I'm seeing. And this is why I'm telling you to be careful. So now Abimelech comes to Abraham and he's like, what did you do? What was this? So let's see what happens. Abraham replied. Now look at what he says right here. Watch this. Okay, I want, you, I want us to focus on this for a brief, briefly. When Abraham replies to him, 
He says, when I came to you, I said to myself, are you there? I said to myself, there is surely no fear of God in this place. What is it that happened when Abimelech came to his people and started telling them about the dream? What does it say that the people said? They were what? This isn't fear as in, oh, we're all going to die fear. This is the end of the world. God is going to start raining sulfur on our kingdom too like he did to that neighboring city. That's not what the kind of fear. All of a sudden, they're starting to realize, whoa. You mean there's actually somebody more powerful than you, Abimelech? <laughs> you get what I'm, where I'm going with this? You, get, you see what's happening here in, in God's word? The people are now having their eyes opened. And they're realizing, like, the God himself spoke to you in a dream and revealed all these things to you? What happened to you and I when God began to reveal himself to us? Were we afraid as in horror movie afraid? Like, I'm afraid of the dark kind of afraid when you're a kid. Like, you don't even want to go to the kitchen. My son will grab his, like, his stick. He's got these, they have these Eskrima sticks from their ninjutsu. <laughs> and if he has to go to the kitchen after we shut it down, so mom says, all right, kitchen's closed. And they know that when mom says kitchen's closed, if you need to go back to get water, it's on you, buddy. Like, you should ask us for water when we were there. So my son will get his stick, and he'll start turning on all the lights to get to the kitchen. That's not the kind of afraid that they started to have, that started being revealed to them. It was a revelation that this God that Abraham was representing, the one true God, is now here and is visiting their kingdom and is giving them a warning, I'm here. But I don't want to bring judgment upon your life. I don't want to bring death upon your kingdom. I'm here to bring blessing upon your kingdom. All I want is for you to start following and obeying my word. And I've sent my soul. Abraham is now responding to him and saying, when I first came, when I arrived, the Lord basically gave him divine, okay, divine insight. What is it that he says to himself? I said to myself, there is surely no fear of God in this place. What was it that he saw? Right? The scripture doesn't tell us, but he had to have seen. He had to have seen plenty for him to say, look at how these people are living. Not in a critical, judgmental way, but in a judgment of God with love. Do you follow the difference? Do you see what I'm saying? God has given you and I that ability to be able to judge situations. Do you follow me? Not to judge people and their hearts, but to judge situations where we could say, this isn't of the Lord right now. This isn't where we want to be right now. This isn't a situation. This isn't a scenario. This isn't a crowd that we need to be in right now. You follow what I'm saying? This conversation that's happening needs to stop kind of judgment. He gives us divine insight. He gives us judgment. He gives us wisdom. And I said earlier, right, he gives us that, that experience, that wisdom that comes through experience. But when we begin to walk with the Lord, when we begin to obey his word, 
You can go even deeper and say God is giving us discernment to discern situations. It doesn't mean that, you know, don't, please don't take this out of context. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden, you know, you're like, um, you have telekinesis or something like that, you know. Avengers type stuff. X-Men. What was his name? Xavier, right? Professor Xavier. My boys are all into that. They love that stuff. Anytime they play pretend, it's like, I'm this guy, and I have these powers. And then they'll make, sometimes they make up their own thing. It's not that kind of discernment. It's not mind reading, okay? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about discerning situations. We're talking about discerning spiritual atmosphere and knowing where we should be and where we shouldn't be. Knowing what doors we should walk through and what doors we shouldn't. And so God gave him that discernment. God gave him that divine revelation to say, there is no fear of God in this kingdom. And, they, and then it says, look at what God, look at the insight God gives him. He says, there surely is no fear of God in this place. And then what does he say next? And they will kill me because of my wife. So in other words, if they hadn't, okay, so let's look at this closely. If they hadn't come together with their plan, okay, if they hadn't showed up prepared, let's, let me say it that way. This is something that I was having a conversation about today. God wants you and I to be prepared ahead of time. <coughs> Excuse me. Let me take a sip. The devil wants to catch you and I <clears throat> when our guard is down. He wants to catch us with our guard down. He wants to catch us at our most vulnerable. He knows that that's when we are easy targets. <clears throat> Everybody following me? If you and I prepare ahead of time and say, Lord... I want that divine insight. I want that wisdom. What am I going to do the next time somebody cuts me off? Because, man, when I've been on that freeway for a while and I've been at work all day or all night, some of us, right, all night, and I get to that, you know, exit that I need to get off of and they're cutting me off, I need you to prepare me ahead of time. To demonstrate the love of God. Because it's not easy being at Food for Less and getting cut off by that shopping cart and that sister who's in a rush, right? You're, uh, Costco is like the worst. Don't go to Costco hungry. Right? Those are the rules of me and my wife. Sometimes we just break them and we just buy all kinds of stuff that we shouldn't even buy. But don't go to Costco hungry. Don't go to Costco in a hurry. <laughs> I always look at people who are rushing through there and I'm like, why would you come to this place in a rush with no patience? Like, that's where you have to just exercise everything that you can muster up that is of the Lord. And just like, God bless you. And God bless you too. 
and Jesus loves you. And, you know, after a while, it's just like aggressive, right, Christianese. I'm, I am playing and I'm having fun, but seriously, seriously, if we don't prepare our hearts and our minds for situations, we're going we're gonna to come to those situations, those circumstances, those conversations, the people that we already know that set us off, that trigger us, situations that trigger us. And we're going to keep coming to those situations over and over and over. It may not even be those kinds of triggers. It might be temptation that we know in the past we've been, you know, it's been our weak spot. So if we don't prepare for them in advance, if we don't look ahead and say, Lord, give me that wisdom, give me that foresight to know what I'm getting into. If we don't start our day like that, then we're setting ourselves up for failure every single time. So here Abraham says, he saw that there was no fear of God, and he knew the moment I come here with my wife, they're going to kill me, and they're going to take her. Let's keep reading. Besides, she really is my sister, the daughter of my father, though not of my mother, and she became my wife. And when God had me wander from my father's household. I said to her, this is how you can show your love to me. Everywhere we go, say of me, he is my brother. I, I had to start also wondering and questioning what it must have been like. You know, civil, there was no civilized behavior type. You, you follow where we're at? It was like, you need to survive. <laughs> this is how we're going to survive. We either prepare ahead of time because there's like barbarians in the land. There's like crazy people and they're hungry. They're hungry for what satisfies. But more than that, in this particular situation, when he walked into that kingdom, okay, he knew that there was corruption. Listen to this. He knew that there was abuse of power happening why because the king knew right we saw that way up at the top as soon as he saw her and he found out what he thought was truth oh that's his sister Psh, she's mine now so in other words what god here's my point with all that god revealed to abraham the king's heart and the ugliness that was coming from the top down to all the people and why the people were living the way they were living, why there was no fear of God in the land. It was coming because the king's heart was corrupt. Do you follow me? The king's heart had evil intentions, had bad intentions. Is everybody tracking here? So what God does throughout this whole story is use Abraham as his prophet, to bring him this message and to bring out. So here's what we're looking at. God will use a situation that we may be headed into and bring somebody along to speak wisdom to you and I. Not just to 
stop us from the sin that we're about to commit or the sin that we're already in. Listen closely. But to reveal what's at the root of the problem. At the root of your and my issue, at the root of our problems, at the root of everything that we see that is bad in the world, mass shootings, corruption among politicians. We're hearing about that right now. That's not anything new. We can create a list right, of what our society looks like and be here all night. At the root of all this is that our hearts are evil. Our hearts are sin, are full of sin. You follow where I'm going with all this now? And God will use the situation and the people that he brings around us, the prophets that he brings around us, the teachers that he brings around us, our family, our friends who have wisdom, divine, divine revelation, right? To speak to us, not just to stop us from what we're doing, but to say, God, there is something deeper here that needs attention. There is ugliness inside me. There is sin inside me that needs your attention, that needs you to open it up and expose. Is everybody tracking with me? And so God brings Abraham into this situation and into the people. But let's see what God does next. Let's see what happens next before we leave. Amen? Watch this. Verse 14. Then Abimelech brought sheep and cattle and male and female slaves and he gives Abraham this gift. But this is the most important thing right here that he gives back to Abraham or that he gives to Abraham. He says, and he returned Sarah because that's what God was asking for, asking him to repent and turn from his sin, right? So this was like the first step in revealing to him what needed attention was his heart. To stop abusing his power, stop thinking that he could take whatever he wanted just because he was the king. He said, give her back or else this judgment will come upon you. So he says, and returned Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, my land, watch what he says, my land is before you. Live wherever you like. To Sarah, he said, I am giving, giving, look at what he says, I am giving your brother a thousand shekels. That's funny, huh? Like, even though now he knows the truth, <laughs> he's like, hey, I'm giving your brother I thought that was hilarious. A thousand shekels of silver. This is to cover the offense against you. Before all who are with you, you are completely vindicated. Then Abraham, watch what happens now. And this is, we're going to end here. Then Abraham prayed to God 
Remember God told Abimelech in his dream, right? What his prophet would do in return for his obedience or as a result of his obedience. And God healed. Did you hear that? And God healed. He brought healing to Abimelech's life. And God healed Abimelech. His wife, watch this. Here's what had happened that we didn't even hear about in the beginning of this passage. But this is what was happening while this whole thing was like being uncovered and this whole scenario was being played out. His wife and his female slaves, so they could have children again. So he heals Abimelech, and he had made every woman in that place barren. So not only is he bringing healing to the king, he extends the healing to his wife and to all the female slaves so they could have children again. But while they were in their sin, while they were in that corrupt state, you notice what's happening? While we're in that state of living, of life, there is spiritual sickness in us that God needs to heal us from. Every single one of us. There is spiritual healing that needs to take place that we need to recognize It's not so much the act itself, it's what's inside of me that's making me choose to go back to that same sin over and over. It's what's inside of me that chooses to go down those crooked paths. Do we see that? And God is saying that he has healing for you and I, no matter where we're at, no matter what situation we're in, no matter what we're going through, he says, I have healing for you. I have healing for your household. I have healing for all that belongs to you. So earlier when we were talking about, you know, the consequences and the sins that we commit, only being towards ourselves and being wrong about that, not only is that sin hurting those around us and hurting the body of Christ, but when God brings blessing and healing, he brings it, to the rest of the body too. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that beautiful? For the Lord had kept all the women in Abimelech's household from conceiving because of Abraham's wife, Sarah. God has healing for you and I, church. And I think that's wonderful news for all of us. We can leave here tonight knowing that Whatever situations, whatever things, whatever is going on at home with our extended family, hey, get ready because God may be wanting to use you to be the one who will bring healing, that God will use to bring healing to your family, to your workplace, to your friends, to your nieces, nephews, your children, whatever it may be, God wants to use you. We can be his instrument of that divine word of that, like, you know, that word that is like right on time 
that we all needed to hear at that precise moment, at that precise place that changed everything. And there's somebody out there that needs to hear it from you and I. We can be, we can be God's instrument to bring healing to those around us, which then will extend, right? I pray that my sons will walk in that one day and that they will continue that they will continue not only living, but also sharing the healing that God can bring to our lives. Amen? Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. I thank you, Father, for your love, your mercy, but I'm also thankful for your judgment, Lord, because it brings a healthy fear. It brings awareness. It brings reverence to who you are and, and what you are in our lives. I pray, Lord, that all of us would measure our lives by your word. And Lord, if, if, if the more we come closer to you and the more we read your word, we feel guilty of our sins, that's a good thing. Let us see all the areas that need your attention, that need your attention, Lord. Let me see more areas in my life that need your attention, Lord. If I draw close to you and I feel a sinner, it's because of your wonderful, great love, your perfect love. Allow us to draw closer to you, Lord, to not stray too far. Lord, thank you for those who have come to our lives, who've come and given us that outside perspective sometimes that we needed to hear that we were walking down the wrong way. Thank you for doing it with love. Thank you for bringing us back to the fold, back to wholeness, back to life. I pray tonight, Lord, that we all, we all would be built up tonight, that we would be edified through your word, and that we would not be afraid to speak your truth into the lives of others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you, church. We love you. Okay, we love you. Be blessed tonight.